I'm your host, Kurt Sandig, and welcome to Paranormal Almanac. That's right, I am your host, Kurt Sandig, and on this 20th edition of Paranormal Almanac, I want to do things a little differently. Instead of trying to prove something does exist, I want to prove that things don't exist. The problem is that most of the time, it's harder to prove something doesn't exist than it is to prove it does exist. First up are a couple of cryptids that may not be as well-known as Nessie or Bigfoot, but these still get a lot of press every year. There's a lot of websites and articles that are devoted to these. And the first one is Trunko. And I'll be honest, when I first heard this story, I wanted Trunko to be real. He seems like something that a stuffed animal just needs to be made about him and that the kids would love to walk around with their very own Trunko, let alone I would love to have seen a Trunko in real life swimming around and having fun. What exactly is Trunko? Well, let's go back to October 25th, 1924. Residents of Margate, South Africa, saw two orcas fighting an unknown creature. This was like something that the residents had never seen before. The creature had long white fur and a trunk like an elephant. This creature was given the obvious nickname, Trunko. According to an article entitled Fish Like a Polar Bear, which was published in December 27, 1924's edition of London's Daily Mail, Trunko fought valiantly with the orcas for three hours using its lobster-like tail, yep, you heard that right, to whip them and leaping 20 feet out of the water to evade their bites. Sadly, though, the orcas won and Trunko died. His body washed up onto Margate Beach, where beachgoers and journalists examined him for days on end. There it was, the body of Trunko. The body had very long white fur, a long snout, and very little, if any, blood at all. Even though the body was on the beach for 10 days before washing back into the ocean where he, once he came, there were no photos taken of Trunko. Or so we thought. For you see, in 2010, cryptozoologist Marcus Hemmler discovered four photos in archives, and those photos were of the remains of Trunko. After reviewing the images, cryptozoologist Carl Schuker determined that, sadly, Trunko was not a cryptid. He was not some unknown species from the depths of the ocean that hopefully we'll see again one day. Unfortunately, Trunko was nothing more than the badly decayed carcass of an unknown whale and that the connective tissue fibers had given the illusion of fur. Schuker claimed that killer whales had likely tossed the carcass into the air, and that's what the witnesses misinterpreted what they had saw. It's very common for orcas to toss sea lions or other sea creatures into the air while they're killing them. And even after they killed them, just for fun or for whatever reason, I don't know, go ask an orca. But the thing is that if you Google the term globster, you're going to find many photos that appear to show trunco-like carcasses washed up on beaches all over the world. Unfortunately for fellow trunco lovers out there, Trunko has been proven by science to be nothing more than rotting whale carcasses. They found specimens, they found photos, it's not a real creature, unfortunately. 
And like I said, this one isn't very well known, but it does pop up every year as one of these long-lost cryptids kind of a story. Sadly, it's nothing more than a rotting whale carcass. Now, I gotta be honest. This next one, I get no pleasure from disproving. I wanted them to be real. Something about them were so cool, and I was hoping beyond hope that they turned out to be real creatures. In fact, there's so many videos out there that show you how to catch these creatures on camera. You can find them in your own backyard. In fact, they're everywhere. They're all around us. What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about rods. Rods, sometimes known as skyfish or solar entities. What are rods? Well, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of photos and videos of these creatures that have appeared that can't be seen with the naked eye. They're so fast that it wasn't until technology had caught up to where we are today that we discovered that these rod creatures existed. Are they interdimensional beings? Are they just so fast that we never see them? Have you ever been knocked down by a rod? No. And you want to know why? Because rods are nothing more than elongated artifacts produced by cameras that inadvertently capture several of a flying insect's wing beats. That's it. It's just the wing beats of an insect, but the camera's movement is so quick that it's adding the lines. It's adding the rod-shaped like being. Videos of rod-shaped objects moving quickly through the air, like I said, were claimed by some to be interdimensional creatures, alien life forms, and even small UFOs. But science again has proven them wrong. Subsequent experiments showed that these rods appeared in films because of an optical illusion or collusion, especially in interlaced video recording, which is very common. In fact, investigators have shown that rods are mere tricks of light which result from how many images, primarily video images, of flying insects are recorded and played back. In particular, the fast passage before the camera of an insect flapping its wings has been shown to produce rod-like effects numerous times. It's motion blur. And especially if the camera's shooting with relatively long exposure times, which almost every YouTube video on how to capture rods tells you you need to do. You need to have long exposure times. So again, I don't get any pleasure from telling you this, but scientists all over the world have proven that it's nothing more than illusions. In fact, curious scientists decided that they would try to solve the mystery by attempting to catch these airborne creatures. No one had caught one before, so here's their chance. Huge nets were set up, and surveillance cameras then captured images of rods flying right into the traps. They had caught some. But when the nets were inspected, the rods were nothing more than regular moths and other flying insects. Subsequent investigations independently around the world proved, again, that the appearance of rods on video was an optical illusion created by the slower recording speeds of the camera. I was hoping beyond hope to capture one of these weird creatures myself and get my name into cryptozoology books everywhere as, as the finder of rods, but I'm sorry, everyone. If someone mentions rods to you, just let them know. Science has proven them to be fake. This next one isn't a cryptid by any stretch of the imagination, but it's been around for a long time, and no matter how many times it's disproved online, the story keeps growing. 
What is it? Well, it's the Cardiff Giant. Now, I thought everyone knew this one was fake, but again, I went online right before I started recording, and there are dozens, if not hundreds of articles about people that think it's real. Now, in case you don't know, the Cardiff Giant was the creation of a New York tobacconist named George Hall. Hall was an atheist, and he decided to create the giant after an argument at a Methodist revival meeting about the passage in Genesis 6-4 stating that there were giants who once lived on earth. He wanted to trick them and make them feel stupid once he convinced them all that there was a Cardiff giant. So Hall hired men to carve out a 10-foot-long, four-and-a-half-inch thick block of gypsum in Fort Dodge, Iowa. Now, he told them it was intended for a monument to Abraham Lincoln in New York. He then shipped the block to Chicago, where he hired Edgar Berghart, a German stonecutter, to carve it into the likeness of a man and made him swear to secrecy. Once it was carved into a giant figure, various stains and acids were used to make the giant appear to be old and weathered. And the giant's surface was actually even beaten with steel knitting needles embedded into a board to simulate pores. Then, in November 1868, Hull transported the giant by train to the farm of William Newell, his cousin, and by this point he had spent over $2,600 on his little, well, giant hoax. Nearly a year later, Newell hired Gideon Emmons and Henry Nichols to dig a well on that exact spot where the giant was buried. And, not shockingly, on October 16, 1869, they found the giant and were immediately shocked and scared. Newell set up a tent over the giant and charged 25 cents for people who wanted to see it. Because of the lines of people clamoring to see this giant, just two days later, he increased the price to 50 cents a person. Not too long later, archaeological scholars pronounced the giant a fake, and some geologists even noticed that there was no good reason to try and dig a well in the exact spot the giant had been found. Eventually, Hall sold his part interest for $23,000 to a syndicate of five men headed by David Hannum. They moved it to Syracuse, New York for an exhibition. The giant drew such crowds that showman P.T. Barnum himself offered $50,000 for the giant. When the syndicate turned him down, P.T. Barnum hired a man to model the giant's shape covertly in wax and create a plaster replica. He then put his giant on display in New York, claiming that his was the real one, and the Cardiff giant was nothing more than a fake. Hannum sued Barnum for calling his giant a fake, but the judge told him to get his giant to swear that he was real if he wanted a favorable outcome. On December 10th, Hall confessed to the press that his giant was fake, and then October 2nd, 1870, both giants were revealed as fakes in court. The judge ruled that Barnum could not be sued for calling a fake giant a fake. So there you have it. It's a fake giant. It's very easy to find this information. Yet, for some strange reason, the giant stories and the giant photos, and some people even say that this was all just a government cover-up, and the giant was indeed real, still happen all the time. You can easily go. If you Google Cardiff Giant right now, you're going to find people that believe to this day that the Cardiff Giant was real. It's not. Not even a little bit. It's fake. And you know what? Speaking of giants and cover-ups, this brings us to the giants in the Smithsonian cover-up. Dun-dun-dun. 
What's that you say? Well, here's the story. Supposedly, thousands of giants' skulls and skeleton bones were discovered by the early 1900s. Archaeologists were just finding giants' skulls and skeletons everywhere. Archaeologists sent the giants to the Smithsonian to be displayed and preserved. And who could blame them? They found actual giants. Here was physical proof that giants roamed the earth. The Smithsonian, though, soon got pressure to destroy the specimens to keep the mainstream narrative of evolution going. And because it was the early 1900s, this pressure was immense. So, unfortunately, the Smithsonian caved and all the giant specimens were destroyed. Photos of the skulls and bones had already been taken by the press, archaeologists, and Smithsonian scientists, and these photos can still be found today proving that this happened, proving that at one time the Smithsonian had in its displays and in its archives giants' skulls and giants' skeletons. Okay, that's the BS version of that story, but it continues year after year to make the rounds. This never happened. None of it. How do I know this? Well, on December 3rd, 2014, World News Daily Report, as we all know, it's the most trusted news source, well, they published an article called Smithsonian Admits to Destruction of Thousands of Giant Human Skeletons in the Early 1900s. In that article, the site reported that the Smithsonian Institute colluded with these unknown parties to suppress information proving the existence of giants, and the Supreme Court ruled in 2014 that documentation of the discovery be declassified by 2015. Sounds really official, right? A U.S. Supreme Court ruling has forced the Smithsonian to release classified papers dating from the early 1900s that prove it was involved in a major historical cover-up of evidence showing giant human remains in the tens of thousands and covered all over America. Now, these allegations came from the American Institution of Alternative Archaeology. Red flag alert. The Alternative Archaeology? What was it? The American Institution of Alternative Archaeology? Come on. Anyhow, back to the BS. So they claimed that the Smithsonian Institute had destroyed thousands of giants, yep, and that the American Institution of Alternative Archaeology was even sued by the Smithsonian for defamation and trying to damage the reputation of the Smithsonian. During the court case, new elements were brought to light as several Smithsonian whistleblowers admitted to the existence of the documents and proof of all this crap, blah, 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 including names. So let's pause here. If you search for the American Institution of Alternative Archaeology, which is obviously BS anyway, it points back to either this article or other pages referencing this article. You guessed it. Only this article. There is no other corroborating proof of this story. Corroborating proof of this story. Furthermore, the claim regarding the Smithsonian guarding classified documents, that's BS. The earliest technically classified documents in the United States only goes back as far as World War I. That's 1917. Now, the discovery of the giants is early 1900s, prior to First World War, but no specific date. There's the key. It's prior to World War I. So, no, there are no classified documents. That part is easy to debunk as well. 
Now let's go on to a couple of these photos. An image from the World News Daily Report claimed that was taken in Ohio in 2011 has existed on the internet since only 2008, and any prior references identifying the location of the picture as Turkey and not Ohio. It's a faked doctored photo. Where'd it come from? Well, it seems to come from early posts on the Coast to Coast radio program's website. Now, you would think that you wouldn't need anybody besides me and Paranormal Almanac to try and battle this hoax, but... In fact, the National Geographic itself has been battling this hoax since at least 2002. And it even stated, I believe it was around 2007, 2008, it stated that the National Geographic Society has not discovered ancient giant humans despite rampant reports and pictures. The hoax began with a clearly doctored photo and later found a receptive online audience. A digitally altered photograph created in 2002 shows a reclining giant surrounded by a wooden platform with a shovel-wielding archaeologist thrown in for scale. Digitally altered, not real. With your guys' help, anyone ever brings up the Smithsonian destroying giants' skeletons and skulls, you can tell them, sorry, it's not real. It's been debunked by Paranormal Almanac, by the National Geographic, by anyone who has any modicum of sense when it comes to Google searches. All right, the next one is another one of those I wanted it to be real, and for so many reasons. A strange creature washed up on the shores of Montauk, New York in 2008. It was like no creature we'd ever seen before, and we had photos of it. A random person walking the beach came across this monster, and the photos were uploaded online. The government couldn't stop social media, and we finally had proof of genetic engineering or mutations of some bizarre creature. Well, that's called the Montauk Monster. The Montauk Monster was technically real, and it happened right across the bay from a known government facility called the Plum Island Animal Disease Center of New York. And that is a known United States federal research facility dedicated to the study of animal diseases and possibly doing other animal research there. We don't know what they did. Some conspiracy theorists seem to think that they're splicing animal DNA with alien DNA. So let's separate fact from fiction. Yes, technically, an unidentified hairless creature with a beak-like snout and odd features washed up on that beach across from that facility, and it does deal with animal diseases, but it actually didn't take long for science to figure out what the creature was. It was nothing more than a raccoon, a sadly dead and bloated, floating in the water and rotting for too long raccoon. There was nothing mysterious or monster of the week here. I remembered freaking out when I saw the pics too, but it's true. This one isn't very mysterious. Sure, the Plum Island Animal Disease Center is very freaky, and it's still not 100% known what they do there, but this wasn't a creature of their design that broke free and tried to make a swim for it. It's just a raccoon. It's been proven by science as a dead, bloated raccoon and nothing more. And again, I'm right there with you. I wanted the Montauk monster to be real. I really did. But it's just a raccoon. This next one, though, is a little bit different than all the other ones we've talked about so far. And like them, year after year, it gets more attention. And the story is even growing on this one. It's most commonly called the Cooper Family Falling Body Photo. 
If you haven't seen it, I'll post it on Facebook and on Instagram, but I'm going to post it very clearly that it's a fake. And just like everybody else, the first time I saw it, in fact, you know what? The first thousand times I saw it, I was spooked out. I got to admit, I was spooked. Here was proof of a ghost or of a residual haunting right there on a photo from the 50s. This wasn't even a modern-day picture. This was a photo from the 50s. In case you're not near a computer, let me describe the photo for you. It's a black-and-white picture of a family of four. There was two women and two kids, and they're off to the right of a kitchen table. On the kitchen table, there's candles and, I believe, a teapot even. And they're looking at the camera, and they're smiling. The only problem was, when the photo was developed, there is a ghastly ghost, demon, something falling headfirst down from the ceiling onto the table with its arms down. Just picture somebody riding a roller coaster with their arms up in the air. Now invert that, put it into a photo from the 1950s of a smiling family, and make it darker and spookier. That's what the photo looks like. So what evil caused this picture? Well, the story's from around 2013. And yes, the picture does appear to be from the 50s, but let's find out for real what happened. So how do I know it's fake? I know a lot of you out there are saying right now, I've seen that photo, it's never been debunked. Well, yes it has, and here's how. Details of the photo have been digitally altered. It's been proven. For instance, there's dark vignetting in the corners of the photo, and the vignetting looks too symmetrical, so it's probably an effect created by Photoshop. Also, the shadow of the body falls the wrong way in relationship to the main light source in the photo. This suggests that either the body has been digitally inserted into the photo or that it got there as a result of a double exposure. Now, if that doesn't prove it enough, well, here's the kicker. After just a little bit of research, the earliest appearance of the photo online that I could find, there's a reason for it, because this is the first appearance of the photo, it dates back to November 14th, 2009, when Sam Cohen posted it to Ligotti.net. That's L-I-G-O-T-T-I dot net. And that's a fan site for the horror writer Thomas Ligotti. Sam titled it Family Gathering and categorized it as art. So, case closed on this one, people. Sorry. Again, I know there's a lot of believers in this photo out there, but it's been proven, not just by me, in case you don't believe me, by many people to be fake. And speaking of photos, the next one is another ghostly photo, and it's best known as the Solway Spaceman. This photo is from 1964, and it's of a young girl picking flowers in a field. The photo was taken by her father, and again, when the father gets the photo developed, they're shocked to see a spaceman standing behind her. There it is. There's the helmet. You can see the visor. It's in a white suit. It's a spaceman. And again, for years, I thought this one was real and really weird. But with just a little bit of research, once I stopped just believing this crap, even though I see it year after year, if not month after month, this photo gets around a lot on the internet. And I just flat out just went, oh, yep, that must be what it is. And I never really researched it. So with just a little bit of research, it's easily debunked. The photo's real. There's no manipulation on the photo that we could find. It shows exactly what it shows, but there is the problem. What it's actually showing was nothing more than the man's wife moving behind the little girl while the photo was taken. 
she's slightly blurry and definitely overexposed. In fact, you can clearly see the wife in the other pictures taken at the same time the Spaceman picture was taken, and with, with the littlest bit of darkening of the Spaceman photo, it's very easy to see the wife. There she is with her back to the camera, and nothing more. You can see the back of her hair, you can see her dress, you can see all the details you can see in the other photos, just slightly blurry and again overexposed. So sorry fans of this photo, no trans-dimensional spacemen were visiting us that day, well at least not in that particular picture. So again, stop spreading this picture around as proof. And finally we've come to the last one of this hopefully supersized debunking edition, and it's known as the Black Knight Satellite. And I hate this one. What exactly is it? Well, here's the story. The Black Knight Satellite is an artificial satellite of extraterrestrial origin, which has orbited Earth for approximately 13,000 years, and some articles say hundreds of thousands of years. You see the problem here yet? How could we possibly know this? How would we know that an alien satellite has been orbiting us for that long? We couldn't see it until we went into space. I seriously doubt anyone 13,000 years ago saw it, and let alone wrote about it. You know how I know? Because it didn't happen. There are no drawings or cave etchings or mentions ever of this at all. I will even give you another BS theory about the Black Knight satellite. Here we go. The origin of the Black Knight satellite is often dated back to the natural extraterrestrial repeating sources supposedly heard during the 1899 radio experiments of Nikola Tesla. And I love Nikola Tesla. I think there are a lot of really strange and unexplained things that happened to Tesla and his experiments. This isn't one of them. But back to their story. And long-delayed echoes first heard by amateur radio operator Jorgen Hells in Oslo, Norway in 1928. So we have two different dates, 1899, and then again they heard it in 1928. According to the Daily Express, the noises from 1899 and 1928 do remain a mystery. Those things did happen, but the possible causes do not include an alien satellite. And that's according to science. Nope. So Tesla heard, he heard some sounds, some repeating sounds, and didn't know where they were coming from. And Jorgen Hals in Oslo, Norway in 1928, again, heard something repeating, and he didn't know where it was from but neither of them are connected to the Black Knight satellite, and I can continue on. In case, you tell, in case you say to me, well, Kurt, what about in 1954, UFO researcher Donald Kehoe told newspapers that the U.S. Air Force had reported that two satellites orbiting Earth had been detected? Well, sorry, but at that time, no country had the technology to launch a satellite or detect one. In fact, Sputnik didn't even launch until three years later, and that barely made orbit. Skeptics have also noted that Kehoe, who said this, had been promoting a UFO book at the time, and that the news stories were written tongue-in-cheek and, and not intended to be taken seriously. So don't go back to those news stories and tell me, here you go, Kurt. Okay, Kurt, what about in February 1960? Time magazine reported that the U.S. Navy had detected a dark object thought to be a Soviet spy satellite in orbit. Nope. Sorry. A quick follow-up article confirmed that the object was, quote, the remains of an Air Force Discoverer 8 satellite that had gone astray and nothing more. 
Okay, so enough of your imaginary arguments to me right now. What is the black satellite that's been seen in the photos and talked about in all these stories? Nothing more than a thermal blanket that was confirmed lost by a spacewalk from the International Space Station. The photo widely spread as quote-unquote proof of the Black Knight satellite was taken right then by the people that saw the thermal blanket floating away. Sorry, fans of this one. It's not a satellite. The Black Knight satellite does not exist. It has not been sending down messages for 13,000 years. And let's just say that aliens put a satellite in our orbit 13,000 years ago to, I would assume, watch mankind come of age. Okay, sure, I can get behind that story. But how about the fact that we've been going up into space repeatedly since the 60s and we've had the capability since the 80s to take a satellite out of space, put it in the back of a space shuttle, bring it back down to Earth, and get this damned alien satellite out of orbit. Why wouldn't we do that? Why would this picture of a black satellite ever be released? The government's slightly smarter than that when it comes to UFOs. Even the man who came up with this 13,000-year-old number said he was wrong. The science was bad. It wasn't even science. It was BS. It's very ridiculous. It's very easily debunked. Oh, and here's a bonus one. If you didn't know, there's no ghost in the movie Three Men and a Baby. It was a cardboard cutout of Ted dancing in the window, and he's not very scary at all. Boom, debunked. So that about does it for this debunking edition of Paranormal Almanac. But fear not, I have many more ready to be talked about on future editions, including a listener suggestion from a great guy named guy about the video making the rounds right now about how the Simpsons are proof of time travel. That's right. I'm going to debunk that. I'm just trying to figure out if I want to do it as an episode or just post something about it on Facebook. But I promised guy I'm going to get to it. And don't worry, I am. I've already debunked quite a few. Guy, I'm working on it. Also, while I'm talking about Facebook, thank you to all the new fans on Facebook and on iTunes. I love it when you guys say hi. So thank you so much for reaching out and saying hi. If you have a story, a ghost story, a paranormal story, something you want to debunk, something you want me to debunk, please reach out to me on Facebook. It's the easiest place right now to get a hold of me and let me know. I would love to do it for you. I'm more than willing to do any paranormal things you guys might want me to do. If you want me to check it out, investigate, or now debunk, please send it my way. The worst that'll happen is I'll say, yeah, I'll look into it, or no, I'm not interested in it. But once again... I am your host, Kurt Sandvig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Paranormal Almanac.